there is a fundamental connection that that we have that is our greatest source of strength. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Whittle, and this is my friend Alfonso Rachel. And you probably know the drill by now. We try to talk a little bit about some of the philosophy behind the politics and stuff. And uh, Zoe, you and I have got a lot in common. Uh, we're both humans. <laughs> that was, uh, I think, probably the, the greatest source of our, of our connection. And I'm being a little flip here, but, but it's actually a bigger point, hopefully, anyway. I've been listening to an awful lot of people talking about things like the Great Reset, and I've been doing a lot of research into a series I'm going to do on the Great Reset and on technocracy and the technocrats, big tech, the kind of people like Zuckerberg and, and Bill Gates and all of these guys that have got this control thing going. And I've been listening to a lot of testimony for something uh, called the grand jury where there's, I don't know, I've listened to 20 hours of testimony for people talking about every aspect of, of what's been going on for the last several years, in, including COVID and all the rest of it. And these people have been, uh, they've been doctors, economists, scientists, uh, lawyers, extremely practical people. And when they were wrapping this thing up and talking about uh, just the kind of trouble that we're in and the degree of, of control that people who run big tech and, and others have over our lives. To my utter astonishment, when they were asked at the end of this whether they thought we were going to win, how we could deal with this, every one of them said yes. And every one of them said yes because they thought that that once we decided to, to put up a fight that mighty forces would come to our aid, that God would basically step in. But the one thing that struck me about this really, really struck me about this, and strikes me about the people who do things like censor tweets and, 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 and that whole thing and, and cover up stories is that I'm convinced that the, that the tech autocrats are missing something, that there's something missing in them. And furthermore, I think this is the same thing missing in them that has been missing in people who've wanted to be aristocrats all throughout human history. And what, what these people said and what, what, I saw, I read a, a, a Hansen, Victor Davis Hansen column today, strangely optimistic about the outcome of this because we've got something that they don't have. And what we seem to have is a fundamental sense of humanity. So that's what I kind of wanted to talk about today, this idea of humanity and the human connection. You can certainly get a lot of short-term gain if you have no morals, no scruples, no emotional connection to people. When I'm looking through history and, and just looking around me, what I see are the people who are tremendously successful in terms of moving human history, guys like Hitler and Stalin, and, and even guys like, like um, uh, Churchill, Gates, all of these guys. There is a, a fundamental disconnect between them and ordinary people. And, and this is what allows them to think of people as either, well, we've got 10,000 soldiers that we can expend on this, or, or we've got, you know, this is a workforce, or these are the masses, or this is the great unwashed, or whatever. They're, they're lacking a fundamental connection to other people as human beings, and I don't think we are. And despite the short-term advantages it gives them, I think, it's, I think this is our ultimate weapon in the war against these people. You know, I, I think... Um What's so ironic about this thing is that when you have people like, I guess, Zuckerberg or Dorsey and, uh, you know, these, um, you know, big tech, it's all about um, this ability to be social. 
And you were saying that these people, they're, yeah. they're just kind of lost on what it is to be social, this human, human connection. That, that's but right. they've made, they set up the social network and they have no, <laughs> and they have no social networks in their own oh, lives. Oh, the at all. irony, right? Is that, man, I just imagine yeah. Rod Sterling would have a field day with this stuff, man. And, um, now, and, and the thing is communications. Communications is such a huge, huge industry and it's gotten, you know, the world where we are speaking one language again. And what are we doing with that language? And a lot of this, uh, what's being used in this is to spread a lot of misinformation. Uh, it's being used uh, to basically put a stranglehold on a lot of people. In some cases, just pull the rug up from people uh, just all, all together. And man, that trans, you know, even though it's virtual and it's it's a, a, a cyber effort, it, it has real consequences, you know, in, in the real world, right? And, um, you know, but like I said, and we've talked about this before, this is like a, a, a revisit of Babylon. You know, when Babylon, when the tower was being built, man, can you, you unspeakable ab abominations were most likely going in. I mean, the slave labor to build it. Why? And what was their mm -hmm. motive? We want to make a name for ourselves, right? This does. Yeah, probably the slaves didn't. The, the, the slaves probably didn't have that motive. The slaves that built the pyramids, mm -hmm. right, over hundreds of years, none of them, none of them woke up today and said, you know, I feel like going out and building a pyramid for somebody else today. Right. That's not how it went down. You know, and like I said, the, the, between the oppression and the abominations and going into building this tower, I mean, we're seeing a harken back that, to that right now. When you have these people taking these oppressive measures to, to have this global control. And when you think about things like, uh, deep web, dark web, the transaction, the, the, the abominable transactions that are going on from there with people were, you know, using this, this line of communication that we have, um, these kinds of things. And you wonder, yeah, how, how do we beat this? You know, I, I see things like, uh, like say for instance, Google, Google is basically your gateway to the internet. And, you know, I hear people say, yes. okay, we need, Obviously. yeah, we need to have our own things. And here's another stroke of irony for Not you. Yeah. Here, here's another stroke of irony is that I hear lots of, you know, conservatives saying, well, we need our own platforms. We need our own, um, uh, uh, social networking. We need, uh, we need our own video sharing. We need this. We need that. We have to have our own things because of the oppression. And it, it strikes me as really strange that all of a sudden a lot of conservatives can relate to, or they can associate this oppression with themselves, but they deny that there was, you know, racism in America. It's like, okay, you know that there was a time when black, that's why black people are like, man, we, we're going to have to have our own TV channels, man. We're going to have to have our own this man. It is so well, why are black people segregating mm -hmm. themselves and saying they need their own this? And I'm like, because of what's happening to you. Right. It's like you see that you need your own things now and you see how this tool, this this yeah, yeah. Yeah. shoes on the other yeah, the communication now. tool. And I'm not saying that the conservatives are, are racist. I'm not saying that by any means. I'm saying that this communication monster has gotten a chokehold on them because they have so long denied these things that have happened in America. And it's given the Democrats and the globalists the strength to do what it is that they're doing to herd them into this trap. And now conservatives are like, how do we beat this? I'm like, well, you, you should have changed the language on this a long time ago. That's a great point. You know, it, it really is. But, you know, I remember when this whole uh, pandemic thing started, I, like, for instance, in our elevator here in our office building, they're still up and they'll probably be up forever. There are, are, are cir little circles, little circular uh, stickers about that big. And 
there's one in each of the four corners of the elevator, and you're supposed to get in, into the elevator, maximum of four, and each person is supposed to be in the four corners with the mask on, obviously, and so on. Now, these restrictions are slowly, slowly being eased, but when I saw these things, I just thought, I don't know, these look these don't look like transporter pads to me. You know, these look like like prison cells in, mm. in a way. And when I would go to like a, a grocery store or any kind of store, drugstore, and, and you would see on the floor a line that says, maintain social, maintain six feet social distance. Here's, here's where you stand. Here's where you stand. Here's where you stand. Here's where you stand. And I realized that oh, certainly over the second uh, half of this thing, that one of the things that, that the people that make these rules like the most, this isn't a bug for them. This is not only a feature, it's the feature. Mm. They like the fact that masks are, look, people used to wear masks when you went to hold up a store, <laughs> right? If you were going to go hold up a, a bank or something, you would put a mask over your face so that people couldn't see who you were. Now, all of a sudden, the whole world is wearing masks. And the people who, who, who live this kind of human-free life which is not just the tech people, but now it's what I think a lot of people are calling the laptop class, which I think is a really good description of them. People who work in, you know, in, on the web and, and they work in skyscrapers in New York and all the rest of it. They have no problem with this because they don't have human connections, at least not in the way that we understand them. And, and whenever I see these things, it just makes me want to scream. Whenever I see these, um, uh, like these plexiglass dividers between me and a 7-Eleven clerk, right? in order to prevent the spread of the of the virus. What, okay, whatever. When I saw them go up, so I realized I don't think I'm ever going to live long enough to see them come down. No matter what happens, I don't think I'm going to see them come down. And and where I'm going with this is, is that all of these things together, this desire on the part of the people who are making laws now, not desire, this this need on their part, to pass legislation that physically separates us, that covers our humanity, that covers any connection we might have with each other. The idea of, of kids going out to a prom or going out to a football game or going out to a, to a club to have a couple beers with your friends, all of this stuff is anathema to them. And they love the fact that here's this uh, convenient excuse for them to to make sure that they cut all of the human connections. And when they say things like you're safer at home, what they're really saying is safer at home, meaning you can still talk to your, uh, your family and, and friends. You just got to do it online. You know, like we're doing now, for example, got to do it online. You can do it through Zoom or you could do it through Facebook. Forget all of the money that flows to the tech giants because of things like, you know, Amazon delivering food and, and, and everything to your house and putting all these, uh, you know, middle-class businesses out of business. That's an entirely different story. I'm, I'm still going at this humanity thing. The, all of these measures, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, although that benefit is getting thinner by the hour for me. But even if you credit them with the original uh, motive that they claim to have, it is catastrophic to cut these human ties with each other off. And needless to say, the people who are getting hurt the worst are the ones who had the least to fear from this virus in the first place. Young people, we're already starting to see signs of serious kind of psychosis among, among kids who, who had to spend the last two years not being able to socialize at a time when that is so important. You, you, they don't get to hang out with their friends anymore. They don't get to go for, for bike rides or, or no, they, they don't even get to hang out and, 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 and play video games together 
while this lockdown is in effect. And more and more people, especially out here, uh, not only are willing to take this kind of stuff, but actually seem to like it. I don't know how many people I continue to see wearing masks in this building. We've had, we've had the mask mandate eliminated for three weeks now, and most of the people here still wear the masks. And, and to me, this is just a, a on one hand, it's, it's extremely nefarious and, ex and, and extremely damaging and all the rest of it. But on the other hand, I keep coming back to, they're trying to stamp out the human connection because the human connection is ultimately what gives us power. And I don't mean political power. I mean just a, a kind of a power that they not only hate, but they, but they cannot connect to. They know it's there. They want to see it eliminated, but they don't know what it is. They certainly can't access it. And, and this is what ultimately gives me hope is, is, this, is that I don't think you can beat the fundamental humanity out of people. Mm. It, 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 yeah, speaking of uh, 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 mask wearing, man, and uh, heavy, heavy stuff, man, it, it makes me makes me think of uh, even right now we're dealing uh, with people wearing masks. You when somebody puts on a mask, yeah, they're going to rob a store. Now you can put on a mask, and you can actually rob the store. <laughs> people are like, what, what is it like? A you you can take if you want. You can just go ahead and take like seven hundred dollars. Uh, after seven hundred dollars, uh, then they'll come after you. But yeah, yeah but yeah, you yeah. actually look. Could you put? Could you could you update the prices on this piece? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, is this is this nineteen ninety nine or is this thirty nine ninety nine? Because I'm at six hundred and forty eight bucks, and I don't want to go over the yes. top, you know, and stuff that I'm just stealing. So, out I'm saying, here. so like basically, we're coming into a time of of lawlessness. They make laws that make laws uh, make breaking the law legal is is where we're coming down to. So we're being That's ruled right. by lawlessness, and we were warned about this in that old book, um, you know. But the thing is. What, how does, how do they sell this kind of stuff where, where, um, these people, they, they think that they're the humanitarians. They're given over to these humanist inclinations. And in a way, sometimes I think, Bill, it's like, it's not so much that they're out of touch with humanity. I think they're probably even more in touch with, uh, with humanism than they, than they're probably aware of. I'll explain that. Yeah. I'll I explain that in a second. Okay. Go ahead. But, but here's the thing. Sure. Here, here are the things that they're given over to, um, communism. Well, what they're thinking, they're, they're sold on this idea of this communal aspect of being communist. Socialism. They're sold on this idea of being social with this, with this socialist experiment. They're, they're, they're tying into these root words of that. And they don't understand that if you want, uh, communism, where you think that all classes are going to be, um, uh, eliminated and there's going to be equity and equality and stuff like that, you're not going to be able to do that without a heavy handed government scruffing you to make this happen. And everybody's going to think that they don't deserve it, you know, and, and which really nobody does. It's not like this, but that's what people are asking for socialism, where you're going to be forced to be socially responsible. You, everybody's made to be their brother's keeper. And, and we think that, oh, everybody's going to have each other's back while they dump their burdens on everybody else. Now we're supposed to bear each other's burden voluntarily. But you're not. We don't have the right to force our burdens on a, another person. There you go. That's you it. Know, but they think. But just like you talk about the mask wear, they think that that's their that's their civic duty, and that's what we're supposed to do. You know, and I'm a good person because I believe in that. It's like, no, man, that doesn't work that way. And even with the humanist aspect of it, when a person, you know, I, another irony, Bill, is how you know when people say that they love their pets more than they love people, or you know, uh, um, you know, I, my best friend is a dog, and 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 things like that. The things mm -hmm. that people love about animals, the, the most endearing quality is when their animals act like people. 
They say, oh, look at it. It's just like a little person. You know, I, I notice these things about people. The thing that they love about their animals when they when they express human traits, that the things that they hate about humans the most is when humans act like animals. So when a human is given over to their instinct, when they just go ahead and just, I'm going to just be human base. Well, the base of human of, of being human is to be selfish, is to be self-righteous. When we start giving over to our humanism and we have these ideas of how things should be according to our human narratives, morality is going to fly out the window because man did not create morality. Man did not create virtue and will have his own ideas of it. And anybody could shape virtue and morality to be whatever they want. We have certain innate things that we may think is, you know, moral and stuff like that. It's like, I don't want, I don't want to, you shouldn't steal from people and you shouldn't, you know, slander and you shouldn't murder and things like that. But heck, in some cultures, murder is okay. They'll justify murder. We justify murder in America right now. It's called abortion. You know, it's like, so people will make these justifications. When people get out of touch with God, that's when we have problems. And these people who are these big tech bullies, these godless people, these heathens, these are the people who are out of touch with the one who connects us. Like I said, Bill, Jesus is a Levite. He's our high priest. Levite means connector. He's the one who connects us. He is the human connection. But we think that in our whole own human understanding that we're going to solve this. And it has been quite observable after thousands of years. We cannot. <laughs> we can't. But there's one who can. And he's the very one that we keep trying to say, no, man, you just you stay over here, man. I, I got this. We want to build our tower. Leave us alone. The. I mean, the difference, it's not only a difference between humanism and humanity, they're, they're antithetical, really, I think. Um, certainly communism, national socialism, Nazism were the most inhuman regimes mm -hmm. ever imposed, imposed on, the, on, the, on the human species. The inhumanity of, of socialism, either uh, nationalist socialism or, or, or class socialism, it, it turned people into cogs oh. and machines and, and pieces and all the rest of it. My... my rapidly developing kind of uber theory is that that we have um, had a period of about 200 years where we have essentially managed through the institutions of, of things like the Constitution, the United States government. We went through a period of about 200 years where, where we were able to be free of aristocrats and it was successful and we were on guard against the rise of aristocrats and, aristoc and, and aristocracy. The Constitution was written to prevent aristocracy and that kind of power grab here in this country. And what I've seen over the course of my lifetime is an erosion of those protections because we we are looking, we are, we are defending in the wrong direction. I keep coming back to this idea that our guns are pointed the wrong way. What I see when I see these technocrats is I see aristocrats. When I look at Gavin Newsom, I don't see him as a, as a progressive. I don't see him as a, as a, a Democrat. He is certainly a technocrat. But when I look at Gavin Newsom, I see an aristocrat. I see a guy who lets his city go to hell because he doesn't have to walk among the human filth while everybody else does. He wants to increase the difference between him and everybody else. He wants to lock everybody into their houses, right? But he gets to go to the French Laundry and have a $400 dinner without the masks, because that's what aristocrats have. They have the power to disobey the rules that everybody has to abide by. And, and during the run of this country where the rule of law was largely in effect, then 
then these people who had this genetic defect about telling other people what to do were kind of out of a home. And then all of a sudden, this kind of this kind of thing explodes around the world, and and all of these you know democracy movements and stuff. And and for the last you know hundred years, aristocrats are looking around and going, wait a minute, you know what what happened to me being able to tell you what to do? Well, it turns out that that like Russ, these people never sleep. They they don't they don't have anything else in their lives other than. Uh, I guess it was Nietzsche who said, the will to power. That's all they have. They have the desire to gain power and they work on it 24 hours a day. That's what they dream about. And when I talk about, about fundamental humanity, I'm talking about the general decency that most people have if you grow up in a virtuous country like America. This kind of thing doesn't exist in, in, in Russia, for example. The, the thing that most struck me when, when my wife came here from Russia, the thing that struck her and then therefore struck me, was she would just every single time we would go out, she said, I can't believe how friendly people are. I can't believe how nice people are. I can't believe that somebody in the checkout line said, hey, how you doing? And how's your day? And, and seem like they really care. In Russia, they just throw the groceries at you. You have to bag them yourself. They just, they just throw them at you. And, and so I'm not for a second trying to claim that this is not something that can be, that is not, this kind of humanity that I'm talking about has to come from a virtuous people. But I keep coming down to this. When, when all of these artificial, not even artificial, when, when, the, when, they, when the left tried to drive this wedge into racial divisions and stuff, and it seemed to me that things were actually much healthier than 40 years ago than they are today. But even in the midst of all of this constant stuff about white privilege and, 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 you know, and George Floyd, all of this stuff, when all of this top-down divisiveness is in full flower, I would, feel, I would feel this despair, and, and what would cure me of it is I would go out into the real world, and I would hold the door for a black man who's coming out of, out of a, a supermarket, and he would say thank you, and I'd say no problem, and the same thing would happen the other way around, and I would realize that all of this, 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 this hatred, you know, this, this, this division, that's the word, that this division of people is coming down from the top that fundamentally, if you, if you just let people kind of get together and talk about things, they'll pretty much hit it off. Well, just, as, just quickly, one of the things that strikes me the most about this phenomenon is you can have uh, Republicans and Democrats at the point where they're ready to kill each other now. But if you put those people into a football stadium, you've got Bears fans and you've got Packers fans. And there are Republicans and Democrats in the Bears and Republicans and Democrats in the Packers. And, and they get along so long as they're not constantly being subjected to the things that they disagree about. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, but I do know that, that when I think about things like tailgate parties and I, and I think about just things like, you know, just, just the way I feel at a baseball game, you know, when they sing the national anthem and just looking around at all these different people here in, in Los Angeles and Dodger Stadium and everybody's, you know, everybody's getting along. These people who are running these technocracies despise this, they loathe it, they think it's a weakness, and they want to eliminate it. And I believe it's our greatest strength. Mm. And, and you know, it, it, we can, we can get along, and what people will wonder, man, how come, how do we get, how do we let our political differences get in the way of us being family and, and, and things being friends? Well, it's not that, it's not that simple because the thing is, these people that, that what they believe, they want to make policy that we have to live by. 
And a lot of times these disagreements right. that we have when they're when they're voted in or, <laughs> or 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 they or they sue the public for it, these things become very expensive and they make it hard to make ends meet and it drives people further apart. So I mean it's it's not like you know people just make a big deal out of you know their political difference and how they divide people. It's like, hey, when you gotta be ruled by their worldview, that's that's like a whole nother thing. And um, but I guess it brings us back to that that whole reset reset aspect and I'm still not even really clear what the Great Reset is, but I do know that a lot of people, I guess they do want this feeling of something to start over. Uh, and it almost seems like um, people want, it's almost like people are being herded into a um, a virtual way of living. Not a, That's exactly yes, correct. Not a virtuous way of living. No, 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 a virtual, a virtual way, way of living. Absolutely. But they're using virtue to uh to promote this idea of it their their own That's ideas right. of virtue that and which has is not based in any real virtue at all but what are we going to get with this you know as um we're being more and more herded into this virtual um reality it's like make everything out there just just make the world look like it's just this place that just we can't get along and 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 they're and they're making it that way you know, they're, they're making it they They have this monopoly over how people are supposed to think they've got, they're, they're in all the institutions of influence and communication. So they're doing this and people are going to get sold on this, um, on this virtual reality. And then from there, wow, I just, um, just think of how the oppression will really ramped up. Now, now you're dependent on this way of living that they can, you really, you really want to experience a virus and how they can really screw your world up uh, and what they can pull up from underneath you in this virtual world that they're hurting people into. Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's what's coming down. I think I'll close this just by saying that this is exactly what I was afraid of six months ago, and I'm much less afraid of it now, strangely enough. Um, when when uh, Zuckerberg, who is as reptilian as any human well, I don't, I'm not entirely sure he's completely human. I don't think he's from another planet, but I don't think he's fully mm -hmm. developed, emotional human. So he starts this thing, he renames Facebook Meta, and he's basically trying to sell us on this virtual world where you can go shopping in a virtual world and just wear your goggles and you can push a virtual, mm -hmm. uh, 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 you know, grocery cart down a virtual aisle and pick things off of this stuff. And he thinks this is a way that they'll be able to get people into a world where all we do is communicate along the lines that they control. This is the thing they hate the most about humanity is I can talk to you in a parking lot and they don't have any control over what I say or what you say or what we come to agree on. That's why everything has to be sent into online conversations so that it can be filtered, so that it can be, you know, uh, censored, modified, uh, turned up, turned down, all of this stuff. And and the thing that it, the reason I'm no longer concerned about the virtual world thing is because it, the virtual world, we have the technology for it. We've had it for a while, but the experience just sucks. <laughs> they had, uh, they had a, 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 like a test run of this metaverse thing that, that, that um, Zucker was putting out. And, um, and the first thing that happened was this woman went in there and she was like virtually raped by like 50 mm. guys. Right. She just assumed like a, she just picked up a, 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 you know, a kind of a cute looking, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, avatar, right? And and the next thing you know, in this virtual club room or whatever, she's virtually assaulted. Mm. And I realized that that could never happen in the real world. Never. It could never, ever happen in mm. the real world. Because, number one, if that was a real person and another real person, they wouldn't be 
unleashing the um, the negative emotions that come with wearing a mask, like an avatar, but also because n- no one would tolerate yeah. it. You, if, if somebody if somebody started pawing a woman in a bar today, in any place in America, with the possible exception of Seattle, San Francisco. If if somebody started pawing a woman and it was clear that she was in a state of of discomfort, th- people would simply go over there and put an end to this problem. And this is where I keep coming back to, and this is what gives me hope on a daily basis. I'm not saying that that it's hope in humanity, independent of God, independent of morality, independent of any of those things. That's why we're doing this show. But there is a but there is a fundamental connection that that we have that is our greatest source of strength and it allows us to disagree. It allows us to, um, to be civil to each other. Uh, the first thing I learned about the internet when I started writing eject, eject, eject 20 years ago now was that people would say things to me online that they would never say to my face. One of the reasons is because some of the things they said to me, if they said it to my face, uh, there's going to be a fight. One of us is going to go to the hospital. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's them. Maybe it's both of us. But there's no way anybody's going to say that stuff to my face directly. But but then I realized it's actually deeper than that. Online, they can demonize me as um, as the you know as the source of all their fears, right? Of all of the things they hate, I'm the representative of this, and it works the other way too. And when I started doing events in colleges back when you could do that without fearing for your life, uh, I found that that the most effective thing that I was doing was showing people that I disagreed with them and that I was a genuine person who cared about cared about people. That was the thing that that impressed them was that not the arguments I was making, but that you know, this guy really does care. He really seems to care. I do care, and and this is again for me my my constant reassurance in this world that is changing so rapidly now. And, and, and this is why I'm convinced this great reset is going to fail. People, you can create a virtual world, and I'm even willing to say, and this has been the fear forever, that you can create a virtual world that appears to be more enjoyable than the real world, but having lived with that piece of science fiction for the last 35, 40 years since William Gibson was writing, you know, uh, things like Burning Chrome and stuff, having lived with this idea of a virtual world that's better than the real world, more and more I become convinced that, that that's not the case. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm not saying that we're not having lots of people playing video games and, all, and connecting online. I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is, is that the human face-to-face experience is unmatched and it's unmatchable and it is... What has to be destroyed for these aristocrats to take over and reduce us all to faceless trolls? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the operative thing, man. They have, they have to destroy what it is that we're supposed to be allowed to enjoy. Um, Individuality. Is, that's the thing they loathe mm-hmm. and hate, and that's what has to yes. be destroyed. And, and it's, we're basically going to be made to be, I mean, they're trying to make us surfs now, man, and they're, and they're looking to make us cyber surfs, and they're going to make this virtual world. They're going to, I mean, it isn't even so much about making the virtual world so much more attractive. It's about making reality look so much more unattractive. Uh, to you know, and that's just yep. what Democrats do. That's always you know, and, and here in America, and, and in, in this globalist effort, that's. But speaking of Democrats, that's just what they do. They make what they're trying to sell look appealing by making the thing that they're against look so unappealing. That's just what they do. Precisely. And, correct, you know, so yes. with this, right? I mean, you know, this this virtual experiment where, where a, a woman goes in and virtually 
you know, gets ripped. Just the idea that there is is disgusting, even though it's virtual, it's still disgusting. But I mean, what happened to I mean, these are the same people who claim to be pro women. You know, they go in there, they do that. Yeah, know, yeah, of course. No, so not of even course. in their in, in cyberspace do they have a safe space. You know, the women's going to be in there. And, you know, in this virtual reality, you don't have to be virtuous. You can go in there and do whatever you want. You know, hey, it's nobody's going to get hurt, right? Nobody gets hurt in doing this in real in reality. Um, but like I said, the more this is sold and people are are plugged into this, those things can have real world consequences. And that's that's where we're going with this stuff and you know, like I said, you know, beyond I, I don't man, Bill, I don't put nothing past Democrats. I don't put nothing past No, no, I don't know. Because these man. people, the things that they will do to get what they want, no stopping them. Well, They'll I hope, I hope, nothing. I hope there is, but you know. No, no, they will stop yeah, at nothing. You. And and people like this have existed throughout human history. Pharaohs mm-hmm. and stuff with people who will stop at nothing. Care how many people they actually kill to build their pyramid because the people building the pyramid are just faceless slaves and they're not real people. But my personal belief is, and yours as well, and the general experience of America is that if you believe in individualism and every single one of those slaves that built those pyramids and died out there hauling mm-hmm. those rocks had families, had brothers and sisters, wives, mothers, all of this stuff, had actual lives. And and when we lose the realization of that, bad things happen. So here we are talking about why this is important and why we shouldn't lose it. Uh, this particular conversation, like all the rest of these, is made possible by the members of BillWhittle.com who have uh, decided, even though we haven't met many of them face-to-face, when I do meet them face-to-face, and I know Zoe's had this experience, it is an absolute, genuine pleasure. The best part of this job by far, by far, by far is meeting uh, the people that, that this kind of conversation attracts and, and, and meeting all of these lifelong friends out there like you who, who I just haven't met yet. Um, again, it, thank you again to the members who made this possible, especially the ones who joined us to make it possible to, to bring our friend Zoe into these conversations. So until next time, for uh, Zoe Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on The Virtue Signal.